Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson from the book of Matthew. The chapter is 23, and the verses that we will cover this week will be 1 through 17. Again, chapter 23, verses 1 through 23. And the text reads, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All, therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all the works they do for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing but whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. Praise God's holy and divine word. What we have here in Matthew 23 is known as the Olivet Discourse, which is a formal communication of Jesus. In fact, it's his final public discourse. He's outside of Jerusalem here, and it is before his final entry into the City of Light. 
He spoke to the multitudes, as noted, which includes the believers, the doubters, both then and now. He presented a focused attack against the Jewish religious authorities, against disproportionate legalism. He declares a pronouncement of woes against the scribes and the Pharisees, who were the ecclesiastic guides of the people, and to whom the civil governors, the Herodians, paid a special regard. So these were religious as well as political leaders who controlled a lot of the wealth associated with the temple. The scribes were the teachers of the pharisaic sect. This discourse, by extension, is a warning to all of us who call ourselves Christians today. It is in the form of this chapter, a personal indictment regarding specific sinful actions of those who should know better. I use that term should advisedly, but it certainly fits here. Should know better. Even the Gentiles, as noted in Romans 2 and verse 14, know the difference between right and wrong. Here it seems these Pharisees, in fact, they have gone beyond understanding a simple dictate of God's law. What Jesus does here is a declaration of woe. It's a reasonable result when one recognizes that this Indictment comes from Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, the Son of God who made the impossible possible through his passion, his death, burial, and resurrection. In this discourse, Jesus demonstrates his understanding of the totality of human history, the Alpha and the Omega, what we could call the conjunction of opposites, the syzygy of all there ever has been and all there ever will be, as long as mankind dismisses God's imperatives, these woes will apply. What we witness in this sermon is truth in the form of Jesus Christ personified in his words. Similarly, declarations are recorded in Luke eleven thirty-seven through 54 and Mark 12, 35 through 40. The parallel nature of these pronouncements in the synoptic gospels gives us a understanding of the seriousness uh, of these uh, pronouncements as they are recorded by all of these gospel writers. The woes or calamities in the Greek 
signifies dire warnings of eternal judgment for misdeeds. Jesus rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees and by extension warns us about pridefulness, being puffed up, hypocrisy, doing one thing and saying another, ostentatiousness, that is uh, over uh, abundance of uh, clothing and uh, decorative items in our presentation, just plain cruelty to others, and perjury, lying to God and others. These woes illustrate the difference between an inner and an outer moral state. The inner and outer state of our heart of mind, condition of our heart of mind. Jesus fiercely berates the superficial approach to religion that is exemplified by the spiritual leader's actions in Jerusalem. Jesus declared woe against the scribes and Pharisees, not as a divine pronouncement of judgment from God, but as a final warning, prophesizing their destruction. Though it was not his desire that any be condemned, but rather that, what, all repent and come to him. He knew, however, that without repentance and a faith-based life, all are doomed to eternal separation under God's righteous and just wrath. When God utters woe against evildoers, he sets divine judgment in motion. When Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem and declared woe to those in charge and the destruction of the temple itself, he attracted the attention and anxiety of the authorities. This was a, uh, chapter 23 is a precursor to him entering the city and announcing the destruction of the temple. The temple was the seat of Jewish culture, a focus of the nation, and a chief source of wealth and pride. It was one of the greatest structures of the ancient world. The operation of the temple was big business. Any threat to it could only be regarded as having grave economic, social, and religious consequences. Roman authorities were directly involved in who would hold spiritual power as well as political power. Any disturbance of the status quo in the administration of the temple had important implications for all who lived in the area. When Jesus appeared in Jerusalem, as we'll see in chapter 24, 
and announced the destruction of the temple and announced the judgment of God on the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, the authorities could not ignore his words. There was a clear choice. Either they would recognize their depravity and hopelessness without God, or they would continue to distract themselves, delude themselves, fool themselves, and avoid the existential reality of man's temporalness. Isaiah, seven centuries earlier, made his choice and exemplifies what one must do. When he wrote, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Repent and seek the King. We must do likewise. All must do likewise. Jesus exposes the intent of the scribes and the Pharisees. Notice Mark 2 and 16. Jesus is not an enemy to Moses, nor the law rightly explained and practiced. His discourse here is an attack, an overwhelming denunciation of the hierarchies of evil. Luke tells us that the Lord's discourse was in the hearing of the people, Luke 20 and verse 45. This discourse constitutes a spiritual battle for the hearts and minds of the people, verse 2. The Lord reveals the attitude of the scribes and Pharisees when he states, they sit on Moses' seat as though they were his successor as lawgiver. In areas of lawful truths, the Lord commands all to follow the scribes and Pharisees' teachings. Yet no man was to follow the scribes and Pharisees' works. For they say and do not, verse 3. In other words, talk is cheap. Their lives do not correspond with their teachings. What about us, Christian? The scribes and Pharisees did not practice what they preached. Notice verse 4. They bind heavy burdens. They pursue grievous, strict, legalistic enactments of the law. Contrast this with Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest upon your souls, for my yoke is easy and burden, my burden is light. Verse 5. All their works they do to be seen of men. These religious leaders demonstrated their vain glory, seeking public recognition and public deference to their presumed authority. Verse 12. And whosoever shall exalt himself 
shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Jesus seeks the little ones, Matthew 18 and verse 10. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. Humility and service is the measure of greatness in the eyes of God. Notice 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 13. Ye shut the kingdom against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Those who exalt themselves in this life to appear great and intelligent are truly poor in wisdom and devoid of a place with God. Those who enter God's kingdom will cause others to do the same thing, and those who refuse to enter will also prevent others from being saved. Thus, every man is either for Christ or against him. Humility was not a part of the scribes and Pharisees' makeup. To lay down their phylacteries and enlarged robes was beyond their thinking. The scribes and Pharisees were not willing to hear the message of Jesus and allow it to penetrate their hardened hearts. They would not repent. Notice Matthew 11 and verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. The unrepentant scribes and Pharisees' ambitions involved the people's attitude toward them and their teachings. They did not want the people believing and confessing Jesus as the Messiah because that would mean that they too must humble themselves to his teaching. Jesus declared in verse 14, Ye devour widows and houses, and for a pretense... The scribes and Pharisees pressed unjust claims of property and dispensed long, showy prayers. Verse 15, Ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is become so, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. They exalted the opinions of men above the word of God's. They promoted party sectarianism and denominationalism. Verse 16, ye blind guides. The scribes and Pharisees taught that if one swore by the altar, they were not bound to keep the oath. However, an oath made by the gift on the altar was binding. This reasoning tells listeners they are not bound to tell the truth or abide by a promise unless their oath is incumbent on a capital contractual arrangement. In other words, an oath toward the gold that was given. 
related to the gold. Here we have man's rationalization to pretzel commands and half-step obedience. Jesus asks if they thought the gift on the, up on the altar was greater than the altar itself. Ye fools, verse 17, and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctified the gift. Notice Matthew 15, verses 7 through 9. Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The truth of God is absolute. And man's obedience to the gospel must be excellent in glorifying God. Truncated oaths and halfway actions are not good enough. The whole is equal to the sum of its parts. The ends do not justify the means. The means must justify the end. Our everyday actions must be righteous. Everything counts. The devil is in the details. Devious intellectual rationalization stated as well-articulated profundities will not get one into heaven. Notice 2 Peter 1-16. through 16. For we, the righteous have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. The Pharisees distinguished between oaths made by the temple and those made by the gold of the temple, and between oaths made by the altar and those made by the gift on it. As in much of their belief system, they focus on misguided superficial distinctions and overlook the higher principles of the law. This lesson is yours. Thank you for listening. Excuse that. Thank you for being a part of this study. I pray that something has been said that is both edifying and uplifting. Next week's lesson comes from Matthew 23, verses 18 through 39, and is titled, The Olivet Prophecy. Let's pray one for another. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thank you, Father, for being our Father who sits high and looks low. We approach your throne of grace with wonderment and awe at your mercy, your everlasting love, your long-suffering. We ask for your forgiveness for any trespasses we have committed since the last time we have been together. We repent of those sins and we ask for your forgiveness, knowing you are God of second chance and so much more. 
We thank you for your wisdom that we may access through following your will and your way. We thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a beacon of hope in an otherwise chaotic and confused world. We thank you for Jesus Christ in whom, by whom, and through whom we may find our way back to you if it is your will. We pray for those who do not know you yet. We pray for space and time that they may come to know you before it is eternal, eternally too late. We pray for all within the sound of my voice. We pray for your clarity, your strength to envelop us, build us up where we're torn down, heal us, sustain us, as we seek to serve you with zeal and love. Thank you, Father, for your presence, your listening ear, and your willingness to take action in the lives of your children. It is in the most holy name of Jesus Christ we offer up this prayer. Amen. Again, church, church, thanks for listening. Let us all reach out in Christian love this week in our daily walk. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Count it all joy. To God be the glory. Stay safe. Bye for now.